0: This offseason has seen one MLB owner spend money at a record pace, with many franchises going all in financially to build a winner. This has led to a respected national baseball writer, Ken Rosenthal, call- to call for the Reds to be sold. Jeff and I are going to look into the possibility of that becoming a reality. Uh, The Reds front office has also indicated they are willing to trade a shortstop prospect for an outfield prospect of equal upside. We're going to talk about who we think that could be, and Jeff will tell us who he thinks we are going to get in return. We've got all that and more on today's Locked on Reds. Hit it, Jeff. You are locked on Reds.
1: Your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds. Welcome on into the Locked On Reds podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Carr, and alongside co-host Stephen Offenbaker, we are lifelong Cincinnati Reds fans that have turned an addiction to this team into information for you. Locked on Reds is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We are your team every day. Thanks as always for making us your first listen. We're free and available on all platforms. On today's podcast, hashtag sell the team. Bob has been picked up by Ken Rosenthal now. So that's kind of interesting to see. We're going to talk about why he brought this up in an article in the athletic something that i find very intriguing because let's face it it's something we could probably talk about every single day you would get bored of it i would get bored of it because at the end of the day there are reasons as to why the reds are not selling the team right now and we're going to get into what those are plus this whole uh trade a shortstop for an outfielder thing is gaining some steam And Steve has some thoughts. I'm going to get his thoughts on that coming up here a little bit later on, but Steve, we have got to start first off with the man himself, Ken Rosenthal bringing up something that Reds fans. And I think that we are in this group, uh, wish that the Reds would sell be to new owners because, uh, this market in major league baseball has changed.
0: Uh, it's really a different beast than it was even say three or four years ago. Uh, Steve Cohen purchasing the New York Mets has really changed the landscape of baseball and forced the hand of uh, some of the teams that probably have always had the ability to do this. It's forced their hand to actually do it because uh, Steve Cohen does not care. He's going to seemingly spend every single dime (laughs) that he has to bring a world series championship to the New York Mets. And uh, Ken Rosenthal was doing an article about uh, some of the moves that Cohen has made. And uh, along the way, he talked about uh, some of the teams that aren't following that model and that he really believes, I think if you read between the lines, he believes can't follow that model. Uh, He identified the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Oakland Athletics, and your Cincinnati Reds as the teams he believes should be sold. That that they need new ownership. They need owners with more financial flexibility. Owners with more financial ability uh, to put money into the team to compete in what is becoming a a, a vastly uh, player friendly offseason. I think there's no other way to really put that. Jeff, uh, dudes are getting paid. Honestly, I think, and it's crazy because
1: people look at the $350 million and they say, holy crap. And and a lot of folks, their first response is, well, we need a salary cap. Well, before we get a salary cap, we need a salary floor. That's that's a different conversation. But I low-key think Steve Cohen is saving this sport. What if we talked about the last three or four off seasons? How cheap everybody's being. How there's collusion, how there's folks that are trying to die, drive down the prices of free agency across the league, all these different teams and stuff like that. Steve Cohen said, uh uh-uh, uh, baby, I'm just going to build a winner. And he's spending as much money. You would literally have, and I said this on yesterday's podcast, you would literally have to have the salary cap of the NFL plus the salary cap of the NBA to put together a payroll this high. In a salary cap league, it's absolutely phenomenal how high this is. And the fact that Ken Rosenthal names the Reds, they, he also named the A's and the Pirates as well in this group of teams that needs new ownership, but he names the Reds specifically, it's because they can't. You see all these different like uh, you know net worth lists and things like that that Forbes comes out with, and the Reds are always at the bottom of it. The, the Castellini group and, and, and the group that runs the Reds are always down there. So logistically, they would literally have to spend their net worth on the payroll to keep up with Steve Cohen. So I do get that. And I understand they say small market and all this other stuff, but that doesn't mean that I'm sympathetic toward that. That just means probably time to move on.
0: Yeah, let's you know, coming up in the next segment, Jeff, we're going to look at some specifics of what the Mets are doing and what the impacts of those those moves are on all of the small market teams, not just the Reds, but we'll we'll focus in a little bit on what that means for this particular Reds front office. But right now, let's 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 look and see If it even makes sense to have this conversation, if if there is some validity to it's time for the Castellini's to sell. Uh, Listen, when Bob Castellini and the SOB, that's son of Bob, Phil Castellini, uh, bought this team, they paid two hundred and seventy five million dollars for this team at the time of purchase. Uh, this team is currently valued at $2 billion, Jeff. The days of a guy running a fruit stand being able to put together an ownership group to buy a professional baseball team are over. Uh, mm-hmm. It has clearly reached a point where the Castellinis are out of their depth. Now, that still doesn't mean that they can't put a winner on the field. Uh, you know, I believe what we've been saying all along this offseason that, you know, you follow this. We got to find a better name for this, but this Tampa model of, of churn the roster, lock up one or two guys and and build that way. I still think that can work. I think they can win games. I think they can make the playoffs. You know, are they going to win a world series when they run into the Mets in the playoffs or the Dodgers in the playoffs? I don't know, but I do know they could make the playoffs. They could win the division with this model. So all that being said, you have to ask, you know, what are the Castellini's thinking right now? You know, it, it's pretty clear from how they've operated since the day they got here that the purchase of the Cincinnati Reds was a, a, you know, a vanity project, was an ego True. builder for them. They, they were looking to, you know, walk around Cincinnati, the, the birthplace of baseball, the place where everybody always loves the team and come in and tell us how wonderful we are. I'm Bob. I'm Phil. Tell us we're great. That's what they wanted. Phil was just itching for the day that Bob finally got old enough to be like, "Okay, I'm done with this. It's all yours. Go be the face of the franchise. Go do all the things and, you know, break in the accolades and feel the love. That's what Phil's been waiting for. And then the first chance he get, he opened his mouth and inserted his foot, asking us, where were we going to go? Uh, You know, this fan base is never going to forgive him for that. Jeff, this is one of those things where it's, it's never going to go away. He's never going to be the face of this franchise. We saw it at Reds Fest. You know, our buddy Scott Campbell, bless his heart, you know, camped out down there waiting for Phil to make an appearance at Reds Fest so he could boo him. And I know that there are many, <laughs> many other people out there that feel the same way as Scott. You and I, I mean, you made me behave. Although let's just call it, I'm going to call it like it is. <laughs> I had my chance. Y'all saw my picture on Twitter and Jeff was in my ear going, don't even think about it. So <laughs> that's where we were. I, I, I get that feeling. I get the, I get the, the angst in the fan base that, that they want to direct at the Castellinis. So, you know, I think for, for those reasons, it makes sense for them to at least consider selling now because this team can never be what they wanted it to be. They wanted it to be an ego builder. They wanted it to kind of, you know, be able to walk around and, and tell everybody how great they were. And, and those, those are over. The reality is that they can't compete with the Coen's of the world. They just right. can't do it. Uh, it might be time for them to consider riding off into the sunset because if they sell this team right now, for what it's valued at, Jeff, they're going to stick one point two five billion dollars in the ownership group's pocket. I'm going to say that number again, Jeffrey. One point two five billion dollars with a B. Billion, billion dollars. Yes.
1: Now that wouldn't all go directly to Bob and Phil and all that. It would get spread amongst the lenders and the Williamses and all that different stuff, but. I think what you're saying is absolutely true, but it's also true of every single ownership. Steve Cohen bought the Mets as a vanity project. He wants to be looked at as the guy that brought a championship to the Mets. And I agree with what you're saying as well. Phil has officially stuck his foot into the mouth to the point that if the Reds ever won a world series and he was up on the podium getting the trophy, pretty sure he'd still get booed. Like he has forever tarnished his reputation here and destroyed what they have, the, the ability to be that ego boosting type deal. And really what this boils down to, to me, and it's something that we talk about a lot with the whole Tampa model and stuff like that is that at the end of the day, nobody amongst fans, amongst casual baseball fans, nobody gives a darn about Moneyball anymore. They just want to win. And if you're telling them that you're going to make them wait longer to win, you have officially made them more frustrated and the reds have done nothing but make the fan base frustrated for the last. I won't say all of the last 20 years because there've been some good years in there, but basically since the Castellini's took the majority control, there really hasn't been a whole lot of happy moments. So I think that they have to really look at that and consider selling because they really stand to gain more by selling and and going away than they do by continuing this process that is a uh,
0: futility. Well, listen, Jeff, the root of this conversation really traces directly back to what Steve Cohen is doing with the Mets uh, coming up. You and I are going to talk about what we're going to call the Cohen effect and its impact on the Cincinnati Reds baseball operations. Uh, but before we get to that, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you in part by simply safe. At Locked On Reds, we believe home security should be uh, where you f- you feel safe. Home should be where you feel safe for you and your family. It's the safest place that you could be, especially over the holidays this season. Give yourself and your family the gift of peace and protection with the number one rated home security system, Simply Safe. And right now, Simply Safe is offering Locked On Reds listeners like you forty percent off a new security system. Uh, so don't put this off. Here's why we love Simply Safe. Uh, ease of control. All of the system's elements can be controlled through the app on your smartphone. Uh, you can control your Simply Safe system from anywhere at any time. It gives you the peace of mind and easy access to safety. Simply Safe is a whole home security system with advanced sensor- sensors for every room, window, and door. Uh, they have HD security cameras for inside and outside uh, to capture valuable and vital evidence if something does go down at your place when you are not there. Uh, they even have hazard sensors. They detect fire. <laughs> they can tell you if your place is flooding uh, and many other threats within your home. Uh, Simply Safe has you covered from uh, roof to floor, basically. Don't miss your chance to save big on your favorite security system. Uh, get 40% off any new system at simplysafecom slash mlb. Today, that's simplysafecom slash locked on MLB. There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, coming up. Uh, the rest of the week Jeff and I are going to continue to monitor what's going on in this this free agent frenzy uh, I don't think uh, the last shoe has dropped in the in the money spending uh, you know I think teams are getting more and more desperate now that some of the bigger chips are coming off the board uh, people are going to start panicking a little bit and you know if you think we've seen some overpaying so far we may see some overpaying in the coming weeks as you know people try to get the next guy on the list and make sure that they don't Miss out. All right, Jeff, we have talked about uh, whether or not we think it's feasible or reasonable for the Castellini ownership group to sell the Cincinnati Reds. And all of that leads directly back to the Cohen effect. That's what I'm going to call it. Uh, What Steve Cohen is doing with the New York Mets and basically forcing the hand of a lot of owners and exposing the owners that simply cannot keep up, that are simply out of their depth. And uh, that, that big pointer finger is pointing directly at the Castellini ownership group. Uh, you know, he's poor in Major League Baseball standards. I mean, we joke about this, and we've seen the memes, help me, I'm poor. Uh, we've seen all those things, Jeff. But in the, in the reality of if you put all of Major League Baseball's owners in a room, the Castellinis are poor. And yep. I think uh, I think reality is going to be smacking them upside the head a lot. Listen, here's what Cohen's doing in New York. He's got a payroll at three hundred and fifty million dollars somewhere in that neighborhood. Maybe it's plus at this point. I don't know. That guy's writing checks faster than I can keep up with. Here's what I know. Under the current Major League Baseball salary system, the, the Mets are paying a significant luxury tax in the amount of money that they are spending. A matter of fact, their luxury tax. Listen, Jeff, this is just the tax. Their luxury tax is over $80 million. You all heard me correctly. The luxury tax of the New York Mets is greater than the payroll of the Cincinnati Reds. And that tells me everything I need to know about the financial disparity running rampant amongst the owners in Major League Baseball.
1: Yeah, like Steve Cohen would rather pay a penalty bigger than the Cincinnati Reds payroll to have a winning team than he would to avoid that luxury tax. That is something that absolutely boggles my mind. And you're right. It, it shows me that, and this is an objective thing here. We are not talking, you know, about the Castellinis personally. We're literally looking at this and saying objectively, they cannot compete with Steve Cohen. Now, even Ken Rosenthal mentions in his article where he calls out the Reds and say that they need new ownership along with the A's and the Pirates. He goes on to mention in those in that article that he's like, I'm not saying that they're going to get somebody who can compete with Steve Cohen, but somebody who at least puts them in the same league, like spending-wise, and he didn't say this specifically, but I kind of read between the lines on this. Like spending-wise, the Reds are in AAA compared to where the Mets are. Like the Mets are uh, in the absolutely. major leagues. And, and you just absolutely have to figure out – how that gets fixed. And I think that's where this comes into play because we're talking about, you know, how Steve Cohen has kind of changed the game. I think it kind of puts a ticking clock. On how much longer the Castleys want to put up with this. Now, does that mean that tomorrow they're going to come out and say they're selling the team? I don't think so. I think what they're going to wait for is if this Tampa model, if this new thing that Nick Crawl is running out here, if it works, if it starts to show progress and the Reds begin to become a winning team, I think there might be some thought of okay, well, maybe we can hang on to this. If this model doesn't work and we're sitting here in 2024 and we're talking about another 100 lost season and they've got to hit the reset button on a reset button on a reset button, are they just going to hit the, like, let's eject out of
0: this completely button? I think that's a conversation. I think you're close, uh, but I, I disagree in the outcome. Uh, the way I see this going down is the Castellinis are going to find that even in success, this fan base is not going to forgive them. That's kind of what I was getting at mm. in the first segment, Jeff. Uh, they win a world series. The Castellinis will get booed off the stage. It doesn't matter that the Reds will have just won the world series. When Bob and Phil saunter up there with, you know, Phil with his hair slicked back and that smirk on his face and, you know, feeling like he's accomplished something, the Reds fan base will remind him what they think of him. And mm-hmm. I think, I think they're going to get tired of that type of abuse that the way they see it. It's not, it's well-earned, but uh, I figure at that point, a postseason run will raise the value of this franchise even more. The fans are going to make c- it clear even more that the Castellanis are never going to be forgiven. I think that creates a perfect storm to sell, uh, maximize the value. You know, I, I threw those numbers out there earlier because it's really amazing to me how much the value of this franchise has grown just since they've purchased the team. Uh, They could never be part of an ownership group in today's baseball. Uh, They don't belong here. They can't compete here. And that reality is eventually going to be something they can't ignore. So even if you can't get a Steve Cohen and and you're right, he's a one in a a million, one in a billion uh, type of owner. But anybody that's going to buy this team is going to have to be able to put together a group with the resources to compete in the billion ballpark, not the million, not the 300 million, not the four, not the five, but we're talking billions of dollars. They're going to have to be able to get their foot at least in that door. Will they be able to match spending dollar for dollar with the New Yorks and the Dodgers? Probably not. But they will be able to put together a competitive team uh, and they'll be able to at least, keep some relevance past April in a major league baseball season. And so for me, I I'm looking for, I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm on board. I will help write the for sale flyers and put them up around great American ballpark. I'm in,
1: you know what? I low key wonder. I, I, we always talk about like, Oh, what Reds fans, we, we hate the Cardinals man, or or we hate the Cubs or we don't really like the pirates. I kind of wonder if the Castellini group hates the Padres because the Padres (laughs) are kind of debunking the whole small market myth. Like the Padres are not a big market. San Diego is one of the smallest markets in the country and they are spending with the Mets and the Phillies and the Dodgers and all those guys. They are literally trying to keep up with the Dodgers and they're doing a pretty good job of it. Like how do the Castellinis and how do the folks who own the pirates and the folks who own the A's, how do they explain not doing what San Diego does? Because you can't tell me that Cincinnati has the potential to be a bigger market market than San Diego does. I I just think that they have to be looking at San Diego and say, and and you're right. Like whoever purchases the reds, whenever the Castellini group decides to sell, like you said, it's going to be at least 2 billion. So we will be talking about an ownership group or an owner that is in the billions. So I think at the end of the day, you even look at the Padres and the Padres are outpacing what the reds can do with virtually
0: the same resources. No, you're absolutely right. It, it just, you know, and we see guys that spend a lot of time digging through baseball financials, and 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 it's hard because there's not a lot that's publicly available. But the the ability for these owners to to say we're not making any money when you see how much money comes in before one single ticket is sold every year, and how the the TV deals have changed the landscape of baseball, uh, I I think that I think that fans maybe you know back as as most recently as the early 90s bought into this narrative of oh it's a small market you know we're in the midwest they those poor guys are doing the best they can you know those days are over everybody can see the numbers and the contracts that the tv people are putting out and are, are making publicly available how much money they're spending to bring You know, baseball to Apple TV Plus and how much money they're spending to bring to Peacock and to bring to, you know, wherever else baseball is being played online. I think everybody has a streamer at this point, but, you know, all that money before (laughs) a pitch is ever thrown, before a ticket is ever sold, you know, it's, you know, you can either compete or you can't. It's no more, it's not about market size anymore. It's about the owners specifically and their financial wherewithal. And the Castellanis don't have it and it's exposed now. There's no putting that genie back in the bottle. We know. Everybody knows, Bob, you're in over your head. Everybody knows Phil, S-O-B, son of Bob. You're in over your head. Sell the team. I'm on board with it.
1: And so there is our conversation about sell the team. Bob, look, I know we could literally talk about this every day, and I think it would get very boring for me, very boring for Steve, and pretty boring for you as well because we all get it. At the end of the day, the biggest change is going to come whenever the Reds decide to change ownership. It's just... As for when that's going to happen, well, that's still up in the air. I tell you what, see, let's switch gears here. Let's get back (laughs) to the hot stove. See, this is why we talk more about the hot stove. We talk more about players. We talk more about how the game is affected by the guys on the field because, let's face it, ownership talk just gets a little weary sometimes. So back to the hot stove. Will the Reds actually make a trade for an outfielder? We're going to discuss that. Coming up next. But first, today's episode is brought to you in part by Bet Online. Uh, I was looking at some pennant odds for the National League. Guess what? The Reds are second to last. 125 to 1. Yeah, you want to throw a bet on that, you can make some money if that actually happens. So you're telling me there's a chance. Mm, There's a chance, yeah. And uh, it's it's at least better than the Nationals. The Nationals are at 150 to 1, but... You know what, whatever. I don't think we really want to compare ourselves to the bottom. Anyway, if you want to know who the best bet is for the national league and all the player, latest player developments and team matchups and news and all that great stuff, you got to head to BetOnline.net. Plus they've got in-depth articles and analysis on every single game you can find because they remain your continued source for all your sports wagering information. Over there at bet Online, They've got live betting. They've got up to the minute scores for every sport out there, including Major League Baseball as we go through the offseason. Plenty of futures out there, especially like things where Carlos Correa is going to end up. You can bet on season statistics for guys that are going to new teams and things like that. You can check out the NFL season, uh, the different odds that they've got. Bengals moving right along, baby. got the old goat against the new goat, Joe Burrow, about to beat up on old Timmy Brady over there this coming week, and I'm looking forward to it. Plus, they've got uh, NCAA football as we head into bowl season, NCAA basketball, MMA, boxing, golf. They've got it all. That's betonline.net. You can use your desktop or your mobile device today to learn more about the trends in action because betonline is where the game starts. Thanks as always for making us your first lesson, make sure you're following us. If this is your first time watching us on YouTube, thank you very much. Make sure that you click that subscribe button and you click the bell to get notified when we have some new content for you. When we go live, we're going to have another live Aloha Friday episode coming up. This Friday, you're going to want to check that out as we let you kind of drive the ship with comments and questions and all that good stuff. A quick programming note coming up next week. We are going to uh, dial it back from five days a week, might be three or four days a week as we go through uh, Christmas time and we go through new years and on the, all the way till about uh, when pitchers and catchers report, but we are going to be with you all through the off season with all of your reds content. And when it comes to the red, Steve, the hot stove warmed up a little bit a couple of days ago when rumors came about that the reds are looking to make a trade and we're not talking about dumping people because, well, let's be honest at this point, the only person they can really dump is moose shout out to the Jersey you're currently wearing. Uh, and I don't even know that anybody's going to want to let us dump moose on them. So they're talking about swapping an infield prospect, probably a shortstop for an outfield guy. And, And when we look at this report, my question to you is what is a bigger gamble? Taking a player who has played in the infield for virtually their entire career and making them an outfielder a la what the reds did with Nixon sell, or is it a bigger gamble to trade an established talent that you have? And like a Noel V Marte for a guy that you hear good things about from scouts who can play the outfield.
0: Well, Let me answer your question by giving some free advice to our good friend and loyal listener, Nick Kroll, over there in the Reds' front office. Uh, I think we actually can have both in this scenario. Uh, When this news broke, there really hasn't been any names associated with it. Uh, The Reds have not tipped their hand as to who it is they're looking to move. So, you know, I've taken it upon myself to kind of go through this exercise and figure out who is probably the most likely guy to be moved. And shout out to you yesterday, uh, you know, carrying the buckets all by yourself while I was uh, making my way back from Waikiki. Um, but you hit on exactly where I was going. You identified the same guy that I identified, and that's Edwin Arroyo. Uh, I think he is the trade chip that makes the most sense. And here's why. The Reds can have it both ways. We can trade a shortstop prospect because there's so much depth there. We can also move a guy to the outfield because there's so much depth at the shortstop position. And we can move a guy to the outfield that's already played the outfield. Matt McClain played center field in college. He's already been an outfielder. He has a lot of innings in the outfield. We're not going to be taking a guy and teaching him to play outfield. We're not going to be taking a guy that has no clue what he's doing out there and completely uh, introducing something foreign to him. He's been an outfielder. Now, I know... Because he told me in the interview that we did with him, he sees himself as a shortstop. But at the end of the day, I bet you he would rather be a major leaguer than be a shortstop someplace else in the minors. Be a shortstop stuck in the minors behind Ellie De La Cruz. He wants to play. He would rather play in the outfield than not play at all. I believe that wholeheartedly. So for me, here, here's the advice to Nick. You trade Edwin Arroyo for an outfielder. One. The Reds need more than one outfielder right now. The outfield is in the shambles. Two, you move Matt McClain to be your second outfielder to help repair this outfield, and you've got a guy that plays a great defensive center field already. Three, you go out and you sign another outfielder to overhaul that outfield, and then four, you keep the best of the F-troop, as they present themselves to be your fourth outfielder and fill in and you fix the outfield. Looky there. We fixed the outfield, Jeff, and we only had to go out and sign one guy. And it doesn't even have to be a superstar. It needs to be a a, a good defensive corner outfielder that maybe shows a little bit of pop. You know, it doesn't have to be a 40 or 50 home run guy. It doesn't need to be that. It doesn't need to be a $20 million a year contract. It just needs to be somebody that you feel comfortable running out there, 150 games, that's going to get you, you know, maybe a 110, 115 OPS plus. I'll take that. That's great. You know, with the rest of this lineup performing, they're going to be good. Now, that being said, Jeff, let me ask you this. You've identified Edwin Arroyo. I have identified Edwin Arroyo. Now, I know you threw a bunch of names out yesterday of guys that you thought would be a decent fit, but we didn't really have it dialed in on who we're sending, who we're getting. So now we've determined who we're sending. We're sending Edwin Arroyo. What is the most realistic return we could expect Arroyo to bring to the Reds in the form of an outfielder? I think
1: I've gotta lean a little bit on baseballtradevalues.com. I know that folks say that you know, don't go too hard on that. That's just a that's a barometer, and that's fine. It's not as if we know the true value of players. And let's be honest, that's a little bit biased too. Like the Reds are probably a little bit higher on Arroyo than other teams are, and and, and so on and so forth. And when you talk to other teams about their prospects, they're probably higher on them than the Reds are. So there's a lot that goes into that. So I look at baseball trade values as a nice barometer. They have Arroyo at a value of like a 22 or something like that. I think that's close. I didn't look specifically at Alec Thomas, but I think that's close to Diamondbacks outfielder, Alec Thomas. He is a guy that I think would be a good piece for the Reds to build around. He's got a little bit of major league experience. It wasn't necessarily the kind of numbers in the major leagues that just make you think, oh my gosh, he's the next Mike Trout. But I also remind you, Mike Trout in his first cup of coffee didn't have that great of numbers either. Go look it up. So I think that the Reds could make this trade because Arroyo is a great piece for the future, though he's not really ready to come up right now. And the Diamondbacks have a glut of outfield guys, kind of a la of the Reds with their shortstop guys. I think they are a natural trade partner. The only caution that I give about that is, as I've read that the Diamondbacks are looking for established major league players with theirs. I think they make one other trade with somebody to get an established major, major league player and then this is the Diamondbacks also building for the future by trading Alec Thomas to the Reds. I think that's where Nick crawl should start with his phone calls if he hasn't
0: already. All right Nick, we hope you got that. If you didn't catch it, rewind, listen again. You know how to get a hold of me and Jeff. You can call us up. We'll walk you through it. We'll we'll help you make a great deal. Just kidding. I I think Nick's doing a great job. Uh, You know, we both graded him an A last year. I think he's doing a great job. I think this is where he thrives, you know, uh, flipping guys, making trades, doing things. So let's see what Nick comes up with. But I think that is probably a good spot to go ahead and wrap it up for today. That is going to do it, Jeff. For this edition of the Locked on Reds podcast coming up the rest of the week, we're going to continue to dig through what's going on in the offseason world. We're going to talk about how I single handedly skewed some numbers this week. Uh, as far as people following the Cincinnati Reds. We're going to get into that on tomorrow's episode and so much more. Thanks for making Locked on Reds your first listen of the day. For your next listen, check out the Locked on Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. They're not quite as hot as my takes of the day, but they're pretty darn close. The Locked on Sports Today podcast, just like Locked on Reds, is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Jeff, we're in full off-season mode. The Cohen effect is in full effect. Uh, What can the people expect from us the rest of this off-season?
1: They can expect us to be dialed in on the rumors. They can expect us to be looking at the numbers and crunching player performances as we head into spring training because we are locked on Reds every single day.